All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is episode 10 of From Sparks to Skyscrapers. Uh, it's been a while. The last episode we recorded was actually back in July. We did it in person before I came abroad. Now I'm finishing up my semester abroad here in Madrid. Uh, about 10 days left and figured we'd get uh, an episode in over Zoom. Obviously, we don't have our normal camera crew, so we're doing it over Zoom. But the man sitting across from me is the CEO and founder of Avertica, which is a consulting group. Uh, and he is also an international consultant for Ethex, which is the Spanish uh, organization, the governmental organization that helps businesses go abroad and like expand their markets. Uh, Edgar Barroso is our guest today. He's one of my professors here in Madrid. Thank you for being here. So, oh, uh, thank you, Joe. Yeah, no worries. So, just getting started here, uh, you went to college abroad, correct? So. Yes. Right. So when you so when you decided to go to France, you said you went to France and then uh, American University in France and then briefly in London. Uh, right. And so what kind of factored into um, your decision to go abroad? Uh, you're you're born in Spain, so uh, what made you want to expand your horizons? Uh, well, um, there were two factors there that converged. Um, and, but anyway, before I start, thank you for the time you are dedicating yeah. me for the interview. So answering your question, uh, there were two factors there. Uh, on the one hand, my my dad back then, I was uh, 18 years old and he was working for IBM. He was the, the financial director of IBM Spain and he was transferred to, to work in France. Uh, and as this, you know, the financial director for IBM Northern Europe. So he moved over there. I was studying here and I thought, well, no, it's a great opportunity to go to another country and study there. So I thought, and instead of studying at a French university or a Spanish university, I thought, well, you know, I, why he was working for an American company, so why not to um, study at an, Amer at an American university? So I, 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 I went and I moved over there. I started my studies there, but we could transfer credits uh in between different universities as an abroad um student and i for a while i was also in london but most of the time in in, in paris and um and i wanted to learn you know using the american system which i thought it was way more practical than many european universities that was the, the main reason and the other the other main uh reason besides that my my dad had moved over there it was that I wanted to have an international life. I, I thought mm -hmm. always, and it's not going to move from there, hopefully from the map. I am always going to be able to go, you know, to come back to Spain. So I, I thought, well, what I had just, uh, the, 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 you know, let's just enjoy these years of my life abroad. And 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 that's what I did. So those yeah. two minutes. Yeah. And so, I mean, right out of college, um, you immediately, I mean, you mentioned you, you started franchising uh, Telepizza, which is a big uh, Spanish pizza brand here, uh, you know, kind of like a fast food type pizza brand, like a Domino's or a, a Papa John's for the people back in the States listening to this. Um, so you did that, but you also, I mean, I, I couldn't even mention in the introduction all the things that you've done. I mean, you worked at the American Hotel Register. Uh, so that was another abroad, a job that you did when you were abroad in the States. Um, you, you're, you're an entrepreneurship professor here in Spain now. So you ha you've had a multitude of different roles throughout your career. Um, starting off with that Telepizza franchising that you talked about, um, coming right out of college, what was your uh, concept of what you were going to do uh, for, with your life? And what made you decide to get into that business? 
Uh, great question, because when I finished college, I, I graduated with a double major in international business and marketing. So I thought, well, you know, I, I, I got a job offer um, at a bank there in Paris. And I started working at the bank, the international department, you know, with the Forex market, foreign exchange and, you know, international letters of credit and analyzing the financial statements of companies to see if we were going to grant them credits and loans and things like that. And after a year, I was kind of like, God, this is fantastic, but it's not my thing. I cannot be crunching numbers all day long. And yeah. Different spirit. I, I had, you know, I, I, a more way more active um, personality. Nothing wrong okay. with the financial people, which I love right. them. But in my case, I needed more action. You had that itch. You had that entrepreneurial <laughs> itch. <laughs> exactly. And, and so what I ended up doing is like, well, I, I was working and all of a sudden, Two friends from college uh, that also were from Spain, but they had studied with me in London and Paris, came to me and said, Edgar, uh, will you, you know, quit your job and come back to Spain and, and start a franchise with us? Uh, and, and uh, you know, it's in the pizza business and fast food. And we have to put things into context. Back then in Spain, there was not much fast food uh, and even less um, fast food chains. And franchises in, in that field, there were only a few, McDonald's, Burger King, but really they were studying. So I thought, well, well I, you know, the money I had saved to, to put later on into my master's um, degree and, and, and to go back to your business school. I thought, well, you know, I, I, I'm very young, back, back, you know, I was, well, 23 years old. And I thought, well, let's just try so I, yeah. I moved to the south of Spain to Benidorm, and we started with this telepizza thing, which it was like you know similar to Domino's Pizza, but they were also starting. They only had ninety units open, and this was the first one in a coastal area, which was a, an experiment with a, a population that moves up, you know up and down depending on seasonality. So. To make, to make a long story short, um, the, the the fact was that. We took off. Uh, initially, it was a nightmare because we couldn't handle the, you know, people were not used to that type of food, etc. Yeah. But little by little, took off, and it was great. It was um, serendipity or serendipity, being at the yeah. right time, right place, and the, the business took off. And then we opened another one, another one, and that was for two years. I was doing that, and 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 there was another opportunity for me to go to the, you know, to move to the U.S. So I quit. As a, a manager there, as you know, but yeah. I, I they are my investment. So the company grew up to twenty five uh, franchises we own along the, the coast of uh, Spain. So to me that was a great thing because first of all I already had an investment that was you know growing successful and, yeah and, and 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 successful. I learned the concept of, uh, of of recurring passive income. Recurring passive income, I think, has been my motto since that time. And then, but you know, I I got a job opportunity in the U.S. Um, at American Hotel Register, yeah. company you mentioned before at AHR. Yeah. And, and well, before you get into that, I just want to add. I want to gear the question a little bit with this because the AHR is essentially a, a company that supplies hotels with things that they need. So it's a massive company. All the hotels that you know and love uh, around the world really are supplied towels, you know, anything you can think of that goes into a hotel, sheets, towels, like that's American Hotel Register. And so it's a massive company, but it's not 
it was a position within that company. So it wasn't entrepreneurial in nature, but I want to know what did you learn about interpersonal relationships and what did you learn that you can apply to your entrepreneurship from working there? From working at AHR, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was an opportunity that came up and, and I thought if in the international department, as you said, um, and, and you said it all um, right, it's a company that was very interesting company I incorporated in 1885. So, Old. so it's older than Coca-Cola, that company. Yeah. Owned by a family, the Leahy family. And that was very interesting. And I, I, I started working for them. It's true that my mind was in the world of entrepreneurship, but I wanted to also enjoy the corporate world. And, and I wanted to also, I think it's a good thing. It's like when you're in the, in the world of sports or in the military, as you climb up the corporate ladder or you climb up the within the ranks, you learn a lot. You also have to learn uh, to take orders. And that's a very important thing, I, I think, in also in entrepreneurship, because if you have been at a large corporation and you also have been part of a department and a part of a team, when you are taking orders, regardless if you like them or not, and you have to, you know, you you learn the art of negotiation, and you learn yeah. a lot of things out of the corporate world. Some things are better, some things are worse, but you learn a lot, which is something later on you can use as an entrepreneur. And when you're going to have employees, that yeah. thing is a fantastic thing. So, um, out of my experience at American the Register, it was also a great uh, company and a great place to work for. I was with them for over 10 years and, uh, and, and I was in the international business department. So as you said, it's a company that um, back in the day, it was um, a printing company, but it was just a, a supplier, works with the largest, many large companies in the US from Procter & Gamble to Kimberly-Clark, Carrier, and many others. We could go on and on with thousands of suppliers. So they can equip hotels from top to bottom yeah. with the FFI furniture, fixtures, and equipment, but then also they take care of the resupplies of the hotel as the, as the, the hotel keeps you know going. So yeah. I learned so, a lot. Yeah, yes. what did you learn uh, in terms of cultural like differences between, so I know you went, I mean, you were abroad during school, so you had experience within Europe, but going to the States, had you been to the States before this, or was this your first time when you headed over there? I've been before, but just uh, visiting, you know, my, yeah. my girlfriend from, uh, from Colorado, uh, you know, just took me there a few times and I yeah. fell in love with the US. I always wanted to go, but I fell in love with the US and you know, everything pretty much. I like yeah. I love the country. Yeah, so yeah. culturally, you were asking me if there was a major uh you know cultural shock and what I yeah. learned. Uh I went there with my eyes and ears open because I wanted to learn as much as possible from the culture, uh, everything. I just I was in love with the country. So I wanted to just learn and about the world of business corporate world entrepreneurship i think was to me was the make of the corporate world and the and the and, the, and entrepreneurship and franchise development so i always had the idea of one day maybe moving back to europe with franchises from the us something like that or yeah so the corporate corporate world at american hotel register was great because i was lucky enough to deal with a family the Leahy family that were very entrepreneurial themselves and uh, and, and very open-minded. So was there a cultural shock? Not really. 
because I was in an international department surrounded by people from 25 different nationalities because we were expanding worldwide. That's why I was there uh, to help them with the international expansion. Uh, and everyone, everyone really within the company were very welcoming. And um, and they learned a lot because not only I learned the American, the American way of doing business, corporate world, but also uh, they, they open up, you know, how it works in the States. You, you, you know, uh, if things go well in a company, they, they will give you more business. If they don't yeah. like you, you perform a part, you're out. I mean, it's a matter There's of- There's someone else. Yeah, there's someone else to take Absolutely. the place. Absolutely. So I learned that, which was a great thing. And then also because I was in the international division, I, I, and I ended up opening subsidiaries for them in Mexico, Canada. Um, so I was helping them to just take the American business outside the U.S., which was a fantastic thing. But at the same time, I was learning from all those other countries where I was doing business. So it was, you know, in, in increasing and improving my, my knowledge in terms of international business, but always kind of like the American way, you know? Yeah. So and that was fantastic. Yeah. So you, um, between... You said you spent about a decade at American Hotel Register. Between that and starting your current company, Avertica, which we'll talk about, but did you have any other business ventures in between that time period? And, and did I was looking at your LinkedIn. It looked like there might have been a few short-lived businesses in there. And I want to kind of hear if those uh -huh. succeeded or why they ended. And Because failure is a big part of entrepreneurship. So I want to kind of hear about that. Okay, I keep it short there in LinkedIn uh, <laughs> because otherwise it will be a novel. But uh, <laughs> um, but the, what what would happen there? While I was in the US, I was looking for franchises. I got my master's degree there, and at the um, business school, like Forest Graduate School of Management. And then I, I what I learned there was uh, about um, entrepreneurship and new venture creation. So specializing that, specializing franchise development, I wanted to continue with franchises. So while I while getting my master's, I was kind of like developing a business plan for a, a franchise I will later on will create and develop in, in Spain, which was called the Clean House. And the Clean House mm -hmm. is similar to Molly Maze, the Clean Authority, the Maze. Um, there was back in the day a company called Service Brands in the US. It's still there. That owns these franchises together with 1-800-DRY-CLEAN, Mr. Handyman, True Camelon, yeah. and other companies. So I thought, wow, uh, I want to create something like that in Spain because what a great thing you have. You provide all the services, household services and home services, but under different brands, and you can create different franchise systems. So that's what I did. Well, uh, I developed a whole business plan. Uh, for the clean house, which was my own brand, and I created the brand for and the company from scratch. And I was developing the business from the states, the American way, but it was gonna be for for Spain for, and and for Europe. And that's what I uh, that's what I did. There was a a time when I, I thought it, you know, because I had um, or by then uh, my three kids were born, and and I wanted them to. You know, um, there were half American, half uh, Spaniards, so, so I wanted them to live for a while here. So I said, "Well, let's just pack and and pack up and, and move to, to back to Europe, to Spain." And then we all moved, 
Uh, my wife who was working at um, United Airlines and my three kids, which were, you know, babies, you know, five, four and four years old. And uh, and then we all moved back to Spain and I started the greenhouse. So that was another experience because it was a lot of responsibility. Now I was like, everybody had quitted their jobs and then we had the, the need to make that work. Yeah. I was plan, plan A had to work or plan B had to work. It just no, no, no other option, but it had to function so we could, I could feed my family. Yeah. So it was interesting. It was fun. Um, the, the, the process, uh, it, it tells you and shows you how um, putting together a business plan uh, uh, makes sense because uh, and, and testing things and creating a pilot project first and, and your prototype first. So later on, you can um, develop that and, and, and start with some possibilities of success. Otherwise, yeah. if you don't put that model, that prototype first, so I opened the first the greenhouse um, unit, and then once I had figured out all the numbers, all the ratios, all the operational ratios, and everything under control with that top-notch uh, brand image, then I, I, I started franchise. So uh, to talk about uh, failure and success, you were um, asking me. Well, it was a, it was a success. There was a point then when the crisis hit on the beginning of 2008, 2009. Dollar started with Lehman Brothers. We all know those stories. Yep. It affected the, the the market here in Spain. Uh, you know, not only the real estate market, but also the entire economy. It was like a tsunami going through Europe. So at that time, I, the, the business started hurting, and and I thought, and that's a good point. Also, I I had to get rid of the business before things started um, going bad. So I had opened fourteen franchises. But I thought it was the time to selling of the business and yeah. uh, And um, now talk about a problem. One of the problems is the company that bought it later on went with other business into bankruptcy, and then they they defaulted, uh, paying me part of the money. So Oof. that is the problem. Yeah, that's so, no fun. <laughs> no, the business was successful, but then with other situation, you know, uh, my failure in that case was not getting paid completely for what I yeah. had. That was yeah. a problem. That is a problem. And so yeah. mo moving into Avertico, which is your current role, CEO, founder of, uh, it's a consulting company, correct? So right. was that part of the motivation for starting a consulting company? It was the fact that the economy was kind of going down yes. and then businesses were going to have to start reopening and they were going to need consultants. So you capitalized on that? Correct. By the time I had started the clean house, I have sold out everything with Telepizza. So I have... Um, you know, some money there yeah. uh, that have, have helped me to develop the clean house, but also gave me a, a little cushion also for me and my family. We also had bought a, a franchise from um, Australia called um, Cash Converters. Okay. It's Boeing and it's a... I've heard of it, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, you know, it's a business that buys secondhand products and sells them. And, you know, and already fixed or whatever, jewelry, skin, clothes, many, many products and things. That was also a great thing. I sold it also, my, my chunk out of that business. So it was enough of employees and it, it was interesting, have hundreds of employees, but there was a point it was exhausting all that. So I yeah. decided, you know, it just um, quit everything related to entrepreneurship in, in my own investments and with lots of employees. And I went into the world of consulting. So with the, that money, I created a Vertica. A vertical consulting group, mm -hmm. which was much, much easier because that's a different story. 
it allowed me to get to enjoy um, the world of consulting and help other companies. What I call uh, Avertica specializes in franchise development, entrepreneurship, you know, startups, and um, helping companies to go abroad, international businesses, either Spanish companies going abroad or foreign companies coming to Spain. So it was going to keep me busy, but in a fun way, and also will allow me to identify potential businesses to invest in later on. So that was the purpose of creating a vertical. Yeah. Well, what was the process of getting that business started? Like, uh, just like to describe for people listening that are trying to start a business, maybe just um, kind of the process that you went through um, okay. and kind of some of the maybe ro- uh, roadblocks that you faced, that kind of thing. Um, consulting was much easier than studying, for instance, the clean house. The clean house had, you had um, battalions of employees. Mm-hmm. Then you also had to develop the system so you could franchise it. It was a very complex thing to yeah. do. First, you know, uh, creating a model, then prove that it's right, and then start franchising. And so it's like almost owning two different type of businesses. So when I went into the world of consulting, gosh, that was much easier. Why? First of all, I had piled up a lot of knowledge related to international business, opening subsidiaries, um, you know, the, what the corporate world is like. So it helped me to help companies. And at the same time, I've learned everything related to entrepreneurship and new venture creation. So I think I had enough acumen or knowledge and background to start helping people to kind of like put things on the, all the cards on the table and, and, and said, listen, this is what you're confronting and this is what you're facing. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is one thing. As a consultant, you cannot tell companies what to do. You are giving advice. Right. You're recommending people, large companies or small companies. It, it's such a big responsibility to tell them what to do or what right. not to do because you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know what's going to happen out there in the marketplace. You don't know if it's, the economy is going to go down the drain. Yeah. Uh, and so the wrong advice, but you will help people to recognize opportunities to identify those opportunities and problems as well. So it, it to me was very fun, and it is still fun because I'm still running it. Yeah, it keeps you um, into the world of business. You help others, but at the same time, you keep learning and learning and learning. Right. The process was easy because as a consulting company, you just have to surround yourself with great people, all the consultants. I learned another thing. I didn't want more employees in my life. I have had hundreds of employees, and that's fantastic. But gosh, that takes a lot out of you because you also have to become a psychologist and uh, you have to manage people. That's very complicated, extremely complicated uh, to deal with people and motivating people all day long. So in the world of consulting, it's a different story. I didn't have to have my own employees because what I do is I, I run the show, but I, I subcontract consultants depending on the level of expertise I need. Yeah. So going to your the, to the um, uh, bookstore, the library, and picking the right book depending on what you need, and that's what I do. I, I work with yeah. consultants that are experts in a subject matter, and I, I I act out as a as a project manager. Yeah. So once we get a project, I pick the right people, we get the job done, we get you know we get paid, and then we distribute the money and next project, or we yeah. can. You know, handle different projects at the same time. So that's a completely different approach than running the typical business with lots of employees and machines and equipment and, and, and I don't know, distribution centers. 
Yeah. But it's also a, a, a very fun, interesting uh, business. Yeah, and you're uh, you're doing something similar with Ethics, right? So that's am I pronouncing that right? Is that correct? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so it's basically uh, Edgar has a role now where he essentially helps uh, other foreign companies come to Spain and develop a market strategy, come to the market in Spain, and expand their their brand. There is that is that accurate? So what what do you think um, about that role is intriguing to you? Is it the same kind of thing where it's like you're, you're kind of getting that uh, outside uh, view in to a business where you're not telling them what to do, but you're kind of giving them suggestions that will help? And is that also, can that be tricky? Uh, because they're trying to, you're, like you're, it's a government organization. So are brands ever kind of expecting you to tell them what to do? And you're like, I can't necessarily do that. <laughs> Uh, I, I what I do with them, it's also it's the same consulting I do with Vertica, but for the government, okay, right. and and uh, certified, uh, so I can help both ways. You know, foreign companies coming into Spain and Spanish companies going abroad. Mm. This is a, a little bit different because we're talking about uh, about international business, and 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 that's very fun as well because you have to be very cautious. You have to be very careful. Number one. I always tell my customers and, and my clients that want to go abroad or come into Spain, said, how long did it take you to grow your business in your country where you know everything? You know, the right. language, the culture, the financial system, you know everything. And it took you a long time, right? Because yeah. oh, you know your culture and your country and everything. Uh, you don't have the crystal ball and there are many factors and variables. So, so imagine what it is going to be like doing business in another country. It is very complicated. So we need to actually don't assume that you know everything. Of course, it depends if you are going to export products or services or you are actually going to open subsidiaries in another country. It's a very different game, ball game, or you're going to, or a merger or an acquisition. I mean, things can get very complicated and, and, and here. But uh, to keep things simple and answering your question, I think it is very important important that, uh, and, and part of the fun is making people understand uh, that they have to change their, their way of thinking. There is one thing called the self-reference criteria or self-reference criterion, which is pe- we all have a tendency to think uh, according to what we have experienced in life and what we see, and we assume the world is like that according to right. our own reality. But when you go into other countries, you, knew, you discover new realities. And what yeah. to you is obvious and it's obvious in your country is not obvious at all. Yeah. Customers, clients, companies, the government and administration, everything is so different sometimes that what you take for granted is not like that at all. It's just right. like that for you and maybe the people in your country, but not for the other people in the other country. So it requires such amount of flexibility, adaptability, and, and, and you know, and and which is a great thing as well, because at a personal level, you learn. To become a chameleon and adjust to other people, other companies, but you ha- it's very complicated to teach that to other companies and, all, and other people and executives and directors because they don't see that. And you know how things go. I, I, you know, it's like Confucius was saying: if you hear something, you will forget it. If you see something, you will remember it. But only when you experience something, you will understand it. But this is again one more time the case. Yeah. And then to actually teach executives and directors. And you prove it to them, that is when they realize. By the time they want to realize and accept it, sometimes it's too late. This is a major responsibility as well. Yeah. So 
It's fun, though. Very interesting. Very interesting. And I mean, there's so many different aspects to it because you mentioned like the differences between someone's reality being totally different. I mean, in Sp- coming here to Spain to study abroad, I noticed that, but I've also traveled around Europe to other places and Spain is different. And there's many differences between Spain and America, but you go to some other countries and it's like Spain and America are like this. It's like so close because uh-huh. the other countries are so different. So um, it's kind of an opportunity almost for uh, people to expand their horizons. And if they think, they have an idea that won't work in one place, there's a chance that it'll probably work somewhere else. Um, so, I mean, that's an interesting, that's an interesting dichotomy. Uh, there. Let's talk about uh, top social power. So you mentioned that that is, uh, is it a new branch of a Vertica? Is it within a Vertica or is it a separate company? Um, and can you just talk about that a little bit? It's a new venture of yours. Okay. It's a new venture. Um, top, top social power um, comes from all my activities done with, corporations and teaching because I teach at different institutions, organizations. I, I organize, have organized many times and I still do um, all kind of um, courses for uh, at corporations and, and companies. So I train a lot of people as well, executives, directors. I, I do the same at the, at the Madrid Chamber of Commerce. So I thought, well, um, I, I teach multiple areas of international marketing, international business. But one something I, I, I've always really like and enjoyed is everything related to leadership and soft skills. I, I think after teaching everything pretty much because I've lived operations management, manufacturing, many things in different companies. And, and the thing is, I, I, in the end, I, I, I think it boils down to how good you are as a manager or as a leader. And I think in our world with high levels of digitalization and, you know, getting degrees and then getting your master's degrees. It's all about knowledge and, and digitalizing and artificial intelligence and, and all the different things. But we're forgetting about the human side. So I thought, why don't we get deep and serious about everything related to the art and science of leadership? Because it's an art and it's a science. And, and, and why don't we help people to develop the best inside them. I wrote a book called There is Gold Inside You, which I was talking about exactly that, the goal we have inside us, and it's about our talents. And But you are not going to be appreciated, respected, or people are not going to hire you or, or, or invest in you uh, or your ideas or your project unless you can communicate all those ideas and as, unless you can sell yourself. So I thought, oh my God, we need to do some, something about this. We need to teach people everything related to leadership, communication skills, negotiation skills. Uh, I started working on developing a project. It's, it's called the art and science of um, uh, negotiation, the art and science of persuasion. So I said, let's put all these things together. Let's develop some kind of business where it teaches people everything about soft skills. Unless, you know, people that are starting in life, how to become a manager, how to interact with other people, how to become team leaders, managers. And as we go up, teaching people how to become leaders. Mm. So when I started putting all these things together, I said, who are we going to target? Only companies, executives and directors, or just the regular um, the regular people there in the streets? Uh, John and Jane and out there in the yep. streets. And like, why don't we do this in a way so we can, you know, 
people, normal people can actually learn all these soft skills and 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 become the best of themselves and and try to get out what they have inside and the best of of their social skills because i've realized in the end part of the success of people depends on on themselves on how they are and how great they are selling their ideas and communicating to the world and, and yeah. convincing and persuading others because you might be so skillful and 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 knowledgeable about something but unless you can communicate it and convince people nobody's going to follow you the yeah. same for investors you know it's and, true. And selling your idea so he said we're forgetting it's fantastic digitalization and i'm big into that and artificial intelligence and the internet of things but let's not forget about human side the human side of of, of. so let's teach people the best of communication and leadership yeah. and management skills in general terms and once they are great at that, probably they're going to be great at many other things because now is when they can, you know, shine in life. Yeah. And their jobs, their positions, their salary. You know, people that are outgoing, extroverted, that know how to sell themselves and, and lead people, usually they do much better in life. Even people that, you know, have almost no degrees, and we see that often in the States, people that have, didn't go through college, but they are great communicators. Tony Robbins and many other people like yeah. that are very, very successful. And other people that had awesome degrees and 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 ten masters and, and but they're there in a corner because they're great people. Yeah, so, so, I mean it's marketability, and so that, that kind of that kind of leads me into my final question here, um, and that is just just a final note is what advice would you give? And you might have just given it; it could just be what you just said. But what advice would you give young entrepreneurs that know they want to start a business? Uh, maybe they have an idea, maybe they don't. What advice would you give, one single piece of advice to give to young entrepreneurs that are still um, figuring it out? Okay. Um, it's a hard question. Are, ideas are great, but 80%, 20% is the idea, 80% uh, implementation. In order to implement the right way a business, you have to get experience first. So some corporate life is essential and or at least some massive experience in the field or area where they act actually gonna um yeah. develop your business and there are three things really fast and that's from uh, michael gerber there are there's going to be an entrepreneur there's going to be a, a technician and an administrator the administrator is the one that runs the business but you need to be a good administrator of the business you also have to be the great technician i don't know whatever the business is about yeah, and also you have to be a good entrepreneur, the visual, the, the the visionary person. So you need experience in that field to understand those three parts of the business. Otherwise, the odds for failure are larger than normal. So that fantastic. Uh, a piece of advice: get experience first. Yeah, and corporate experience it, it's um, definitely definitely worthwhile. And a lot of entrepreneurs also don't realize that especially right out of college, you're so young, you still have so much time. And, you know, you can do like you did 10 years in corporate America and then still do whatever you want. So on that note, thank you for, for joining us here on episode 10 of From Sparks to Skyscrapers, Edgar Barroso. We're going to put all of his links for his LinkedIn, his websites, companies all in the description of this video. Um, so thank you all for listening, watching, viewing, subscribing, all of it. Uh, thank you, Edgar, once again, and we will see you next time on From Sparks to Skyscrapers. Thank you, Joe, and thank you to all the listeners for this uh, opportunity to, um, to listen to me. Thank you again. Yeah.